Welcome to the Stock Music Licensing Podcast, the number one resource for creating passive income selling stock music online. I'm your host, Daniel Carrizales, and I'm here to help you monetize your compositions. All right, welcome to episode 69 of the Stock Music Licensing Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we're going to be talking about three ways that you can increase sales in stock music libraries. We've been speaking about this for the longest time. I've done many episodes on how to increase sales, how to sell more music on royalty-free libraries. Now, if you are a beginner, if you're somebody that is new to music licensing, you can go to stockmusiclicensing.com free and download my free guide. With this guide, I walk you through the seven simple steps that you need to follow in order to get started. It's by far the easiest way to get started in music licensing and you can just go to stockmusiclicensing.com slash free these links will be in the show notes of this episode and you can just get started with my free guide now if you happen to be somebody that is already experienced in music licensing probably you already have a few tracks this is very very common probably this is you you have already five to seven tracks on Pond5 or Audio Jungle, but you have no sales. You have no traction. You have nothing going on. Nothing is moving, and you're getting discouraged. This is the, the early stages, what I call stage one in music licensing. And again, I've spoken about this uh, before, about the three different stages of a music licensing or a composer uh, for stock libraries that might find themselves in the early stages, meaning that you're still either thinking about it or you're still thinking about joining a library. But then that same stage, stage one, where I spoke about quite recently in, in a YouTube video and in a podcast episode as well, uh, it is there's so many layers there's so many uh, different shades and you could be in the stage one uh, is still you have uh, already accomplished the goal of having a, a profile on a library like pond five and audio jungle which are pretty much the biggest libraries uh, at this moment when it comes down to to getting into stock music. and But when you have no traction, you have no sale, this is very, very common. Uh, I found myself there in the early stages of my career, <laughs> like you. Uh, it took me the longest time to get my very first sale. And uh, I was just getting rejections. And, and this is a tricky place to be because this is where most people give up before they get started. But before we get into the content of this episode, as always, this episode is brought to you by Stock Music Licensing Academy. If you would like to learn more about how to earn money selling stock music online, go to stockmusiclicensing.com, click Academy, and go and check out the Ultimate Stock Music Masterclass. Go and read all the testimonials of all the hundreds of students who have already gone through the course and seen success. Again, if you would like to learn how to monetize your compositions, Go to stockmusiclicensing.com and click Academy. Now, let's dive right into the content of this episode. So let's jump right into the content of this episode. The best way to increase sales or to start selling, if you're a beginner, is to compose commercial music. I know I've <laughs> I mentioned this before. This probably doesn't come to you as a surprise, but I can't tell you how many people I have coached, how many people I've been teaching how to do stock music, and they already have music online. They already have something going on, 
but the, the music is not commercial enough. You need to be commercial. Okay, now commercial means many things for you. Commercial could mean something that is cheesy. Commercial might mean that is bland, vanilla, middle of the road. Whatever way you describe commercial to you, it, <laughs> that's what you need to do. That's what the customer, that's what the client is looking for. Okay, the grand majority of people in stock libraries are looking for a specific type of music, and that is commercial, regardless of the genre. You could be writing lo-fi hip-hop. You could be writing, uh, I don't know, hip-hop for that matter. You could be writing cinematic music. There are so many different styles of music and so many genres. And yes, you can evoke a lot of emotions, but the best music that sells is commercial music. And you can think about it in, uh, in terms of pop music. Why pop music is so popular? Well, because it's pop. That's where it comes from. Because people like it, it's easy to listen, it's easy to digest, and people remember those melodies. So people really have a hard time listening to, let's say, uh, I don't know, something more complex or something that is a little bit more uh, niche down, if you will. Okay, The only reason why you will like heavy metal is because you like that intensity. That's why you like uh, to be aggressive. You like the energy of a certain style of music, and there's a place for that, of course. But if you want to increase your sales, you need to go commercial. You need to start thinking like a video editor and say, will this music track be used in somebody else's project? Will I use my own music track in my own video, in my own presentation? So try to ask yourself that next time you're composing a music track. And if you're not selling, most likely is that your music, first of all, is not evoking the emotions that it should evoke. Even if you're composing heavy metal music, maybe it's not... You're not doing it right. And there is a possibility for that. Maybe it just doesn't fit the, the context of a stock music. Now, heavy metal music could be used in uh, extreme sports videos, in action videos, in um, uh, GoPro videos. This is very common. This is very popular type of music that could be used like this. Okay, But there is a place for that. There's a niche for that. And, and you don't get heavy metal as one of the best sellers when it comes down to styles of music in stock libraries, all right? The most popular styles of music are usually corporate, inspiration, uh, music, inspirational music, uplifted music, all of this. And, and this fall down under the term corporate because corporate is just a simple term, but corporate is not really a genre per se. Genre is just a a label that we give to this type of music. So if you want to listen to different commercial music, the best way to do it is just to go to Pond5 uh, or Audio Jungle for that matter and just listen to different music uh, and, and see what's selling there. You will find a big range of different styles of music. Uh, unfortunately, the algorithm in, in, in Audio Jungle uh, changes a lot and, and usually you will hear the same tracks again and again. Uh, meaning the best sellers and, and, and tracks that have been selling again and again and again. I, I think there's, there's something to say about that, that uh, there is more to just the best sellers. There's, if you dig a little bit deeper, you will find different uh, types of music that they're still selling, uh, but you will see that it's, it's working in the context of commercial music. Now, here is a very good thing for you to do as an exercise and just start composing music using a very simple chord progressions, very simple and, and already tested commercial uh, chords, okay? 
they're very popular <laughs> out there. Uh, anything that is uh, pop music uses the same type of chord progression, the same four chord progressions that have been uh, <laughs> uh, beaten down to death. Everybody from the Beatles to Lady Gaga have used these chord progressions. And, and you can use them as well for your corporate tracks, for your commercial tracks for that matter. Okay, one of the most uh, popular chord progression is the one five six four chord progression, and this will translate to C major, G major, A minor, and F. This is probably one of the most popular chord progression. Okay, and you can start this chord progression in any note. Of course, I'm just using here C major just a way of reference. So the one five six four chord progression is probably one of the most popular ones and you can use this as a template. Once you start composing and writing your music track using this chord progression, immediately you are popular. <laughs> immediately you're writing a popular track, okay? That is right there in a nutshell, uh, one of the most famous chord progressions in the world. Uh, or in the Western world, I should say. But never mind. I mean, what I'm trying to say here is that when you play those chords, you can hear pop music. You can hear a corporate track. And that's why when you compose those tracks uh, using this type of formula of chord progressions, immediately you will sound in the ballpark. From there, the melody is just, you know, it, it almost writes itself. That's very, very easy to do. Uh, it took me the longest time to really get my head around this, even though I, I know a lot about music, but I wanted to be original. This is a big mistake. There is nothing to be original about. Uh, stock music. It's not about being original, all right? And it's not about copying the other person. Another mistake that a lot of composers do is that they keep on checking the best-selling tracks on Audio Jungle and they get obsessed about it and they want to copy these people, okay? And I, I've been there. I've done that, okay? I've, I've been guilty of this. But you need to focus on your own work, all right? If you know how to write the music, you will sound like yourself and not like some yellow zebra or whatever, you know, because you can get caught up in that identity crisis and think that you should sound like somebody else. And that's a big mistake. You don't need to sound like somebody else. Actually, by you trying to copy somebody else, you're only chasing your own tail. So try to write, next time you get into your DAW, just try to write a chord progression using the one, five, six, four chord progression. Again, C major, G major, A minor, and F. That's really, really popular, and there's others. There's other chord progressions uh, down that um, that formula, that kind of blueprint. So that's that's the main thing. You know, if you want to sell more, you need to sound commercial. You need to use the same chords that people are using in pop music. You need to use the same chords that everybody's using. You know, there's only so many scales that you can play, or so many notes, I should say. There's only so many notes. We're all using the same notes. You're not going to come up with a new note in the musical scale, okay? They've all been used. They've all been created. So use the same notes, you know? You only have so many. The same goes with the chords. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Just work with whatever has been already being invented and grab those chord progressions that have been proven to be popular and easy to the ear so you can start composing your own music tracks and you can sound commercial too. So you can sell. The aim here is to sell your tracks, all right? Tip number two to sell more on royalty-free libraries and to increase sales on royalty-free libraries. Tip number two, make edits of your music tracks. I want to go down in history <laughs> as the preacher of edits. Why? Because they sell. On Pond 5, the edits sell. I sell edits for a full price. 
That means $47.97 for a stinger. That's a seven-second clip. That's a seven-second piece of music, and that's an edit from an original full-length uh, music track. So do your edits, okay? The edit goes as follows, 60, 30, and 15-second edits, and then you can do a bumper and a stinger. If you don't know what a bumper is, it's just a small transition, usually between 10 seconds of a, of a musical piece, and a stinger is a little bit shorter, between five to seven seconds. It's almost like an intro. These edits work wonderful. These edits will increase your sales because you're offering more to the client. So in combination with your corporate tracks, in combination with your commercial tracks, your pop written tracks, regardless of the genre, okay, if you do these edits, you're increasing not only the chances of sales, but the chances of having a catalog online that is aimed to stock music, okay? You're not diluting yourself on what you like. You must like your music when you're writing it, but learn how to write commercial music. You can do it. I mean, if you can write hip-hop, you can write a corporate track for sure. There's nothing wrong with that. You need to learn how to compose corporate music. You need to learn how to compose popular music. If you're a composer, this should be a, a challenge almost in itself for you to compose a commercial track that is going to sell your tracks, Okay, and do it as a challenge because this is exactly what I did. Now, what I, when I started doing uh, this, uh, applying this formula, I started composing acoustic tracks, corporate tracks, even pop, rock, indie tracks. And I used the same chord progressions to create this type of uh, mood, if you will. So you can apply this to any genre. You can have a, a, an acoustic track using these chord progressions, and then you can do your edits, and there you go. That's a really uh, smart way to look at your, your tracks and your music uh, so you can increase the sales of your, of your music. You can use this blueprint when it comes down to increasing sales of your music tracks on stock libraries by simply applying it in your own style. Compose something that is more commercial, with predictable chord progressions and do your edits. Edits is the holy grail to increasing sales, especially on Pond 5. I sell more edits on Pond 5 than I do uh, full-length tracks. I've documented this over the years, and it's by far the easiest way for me to sell on Pond 5. By far. The only reason why I compose a full-length track <laughs> is so I can break it down into small chunks and, and by that, I mean edits. And I, I upload those individual files to Pond5 so they can sell on its own. The customer might not need two minutes of a music track, but they want seven seconds of it, and they're more than happy to pay $47 for it. And tip number three to sell more on royalty-free libraries, to increase your sales on royalty-free libraries, is to be on a non-exclusive library and to be non-exclusive across the board. I've been talking about this for the longest time, and non-exclusive, what it means is that you can sell the same track on Pond5 and Audio Jungle. Okay, when I first got started, I was an exclusive author on Audio Jungle, and that prevented me from selling that same music track on Pond5. So I changed my account to non-exclusive on Audio Jungle, and as soon as I did that, I grabbed those tracks that I had there. At the time, it was close to 500. I can't remember exactly the, the number. But I had 500 tracks that I can just dump <laughs> uh, in, in Pond5. And what I did is just I curated 
really the selection. I just didn't move whatever. Uh, there are some tracks that I have on, on Oli Jungle that they're not my best work, but they're still there from back in the day. And, you know, I'm not going to delete them. They're still making sales here and there. And the funny thing is that they're actually selling on Envato Elements. That's what I don't delete ever, my music tracks, even if I don't like them, even if I think that they're really bad. If they are already on my catalog, they stay there. Because you don't never know when somebody's going to find that music track. Now, here's what I, I did. I changed my account to non-exclusive, and I went all the way to Pond5 and to other libraries with that music track that they were locked on Audio Jungle for the longest time. A lot of composers and a lot of uh, educators out there as well, they preach about being with exclusive libraries. This only applies when you're applying to a production uh, library, uh, big names that they only work with exclusive composers. They're working mainly to, to get you placements and you apply to, to work with it. They only work with a handful of composers. This is not stock music, okay? Stock music is Pond5 and Audio Jungle. So there's no reason why you should be exclusive with a library like Holy Django. I just don't see the point. I've been there. I've done it. I just don't see why one of those tracks that is not selling on Holy Django, I cannot sell them on Pond5. It just makes no sense from a business point of view. So non-exclusive is, is the way to go, especially if you're in the beginning. And if you are already <laughs> on Audio Jungle uh, as an exclusive author and you have some amazing music that it could be selling on Audio Jungle, but think about this, how much are you really making on Audio Jungle from those tracks? How about selling those same music tracks on Pond5 and other libraries? You know, there's always that question. But I have friends and colleagues that they just... They are diehard fans, hardcore fans of Audio Jungle and Vato, and they've been an exclusive author. They obviously, as an exclusive, you get more per sales because you you are an exclusive author. That's the catch. If you stay on exclusive, that means that that track cannot be found somewhere else, and hence, whenever whenever you sell, you get a little bit more um, from your sales. But to me, that's not, it's not a, a reason. It's not a strong reason enough to, for me to stay with a stock library on an exclusive basis, especially nowadays with all these subscription libraries, which brings me to the bonus tip, join subscription libraries. Composers hate it, but that's the new norm. Welcome to 2021, okay? Stock music, the stock music market is so huge right now. I, I've been doing <laughs> not only my YouTube channel and, and try to educate others about it, and how much the, the, the market is growing. There's been a market research that I, I mentioned in previous episodes that I'm going to do an episode about this, just dedicated to it, about how much the music, uh, the stock music uh, market is growing. Okay, So that gives you an idea of what we're talking about here. And we're not talking about music licensing. We're not talking about sync music. We're not talking about placements with a big publishers okay? or an exclusive library that only a handful of people can get in touch with them and, you know, do your research about these uh, secret libraries that nobody's sharing because you have to do your homework. This is stock music, my friend. Stock music is libraries like Pond5, Premium Beats, okay? Premium Beats is part of Shutterstock, by the way. So these libraries are really, really big. They're huge, okay? They, they do a lot of business. Audio Django and Vato, Okay, and Vato Elements as well. It's a massive, massive money-making machine. A lot of people are against it, but hey, my income has increased dramatically since I joined Envato Elements. 
And you know what the best part is? Is that I'm not composing any music for Envato Elements. I'm just simply moving music tracks that I have on an audio jungle that I have composed over the years, and I just move them to Envato Elements. And the best part of this is that music tracks that are not selling on Audio Jungle, okay, check this out. I have tracks that have zero sales. They've been there since 2015. And now that I put them on Envato Elements, which is the subscription uh, model or the subscription side of Audio Jungle, if you will, they are getting downloads, okay? Now that, from a business point of view, makes total sense. And my income has really exploded because of that, just because of Envato Elements. There's other libraries, Motion Array. Uh, there's other libraries. I got rejected the other day by a library uh, called uh, Music Vine. These libraries, they call themselves boutiques, but they still are a subscription library. Artlist, all of these libraries are subscription. Subscription means that the customer is paying a monthly fee and they can download music for pennies, Okay. And yes, there's something to talk about. There's an argument, and I completely agree. I don't agree with the amount of money that we get per sale, but when you add it up, it's, it's quite a lot of money. It's a full paycheck, okay? If you think streaming, <laughs> money that you get from streaming from, well, from Spotify is, is crap, this is, this is much better. It's much, much better, for sure. And, and I have many composers and, and artists who are on Spotify trying to make money with stream, uh, streaming, um, and even when they see my numbers, when I share them openly, like this is how much I got paid for a download, but hey, this is the end result, they just cannot believe it. And, and they still think like, okay, yes, the music business is the music industry, uh, we're being screwed over, but hey, I see it in a different way. I don't agree with everything, but I'm not here to nag and complain. I'm here to just share uh, that there's an opportunity for all of us to make money by selling stock music online, period. My goal here is to get your music from your hard drive into a library like Pond5, and that library will sell that music track so you can get money into your PayPal, and that money from PayPal will go into your bank, and that money will be uh, something tangible, something that you can see and feel every single month. Okay, A few days ago, it was payday. Every 15th of the month, uh, we get paid. And, and this is the snowball effect, like I said. Sometimes you get paid from some libraries. Some libraries, you don't make any sales. It just really depends. But you really have to be uh, smart about your music. So again, to recap, the three simple things that you can do in order to increase sales on royalty-free libraries, a.k.a. stock libraries, are number one, compose commercial music. Use core progressions that are already being proven to be popular. You want to be popular. You want to compose popular chords, popular popular music that will sell. So when somebody listens to that, say like, hey, I think I've heard this before. Of course you have, you know, so you can sell your music and that track could be used in somebody's project. Number two, make edits of those music tracks. You have to do the edits. The edits are the holy grail for income growth, especially on Pond5. Tip number three, you need to go non-exclusive. If you're on Audio Jungle, change from, a non from an exclusive <laughs> account to a non-exclusive. It takes 30 days to take place, meaning that if you're exclusive today and you apply on Audio Jungle to, hey, I want to change my account to non-exclusive, they give you 30 days for some reason, okay? But if you're a non-exclusive and you want to become exclusive, it's automatic, <laughs> Welcome to business. This is where I think uh, you as a composer, as a musician, you need to educate yourself. Libraries make money when you sell. They're not your enemy. 
So when a library like Pond5 is selling music in, or is accepting your music track, you need to be smart. A lot of people say like, oh, they have accepted everything on Pond5. And I consider my music to be crap. Well, don't be careful what you wish for because you are going to get rejected one day, okay? But the goal is here not to get the music passed from the, from the reviewer. You're not making the music for the reviewer. You're making the music for the client. It's your duty and your responsibility as a composer, especially if you want to earn money, to make the best music that you can possibly make. And it better be popular. It better, it better be easy listening. It better be on the ballpark of commercial music, okay? Because otherwise, what's the point in composing music and having it on Pond 5 or Royal Jangle if it's not selling? So forget about the reviewer. You're not making the music for the reviewer. Bonus tip. Join subscription libraries. Subscription libraries are not your enemy. They want to make money as well. They have a very good model in place, though, because they make money on a monthly basis because the client is paying a monthly fee. Like Netflix. It's the best way to describe it. You pay a monthly fee, you have access to all this music. But if you are in this type of libraries, you can make a lot of money. A lot of money has been made on subscription libraries. A lot of money has been made by just getting downloads. Okay, And this is, uh, I'm using myself as a guinea pig here. Okay, and, and, and I try to share as much as possible so you can see what's possible for you. And this is it, really. I just wanted to make a very practical um, episode here. I'm going to be talking more about this, increasing sales. I know a lot of people struggle with sales. Uh, a lot of people say that they have a lot of tracks on Pond5, but they're not selling. Uh, there are ways to fix this, okay? Uh, I didn't touch on this episode other th- factors that could help you uh, sell more. Like, for example, putting the right title, uh, descriptions, and tags, this Probably going to to dedicate a whole episode for this and maybe give you templates as well for that. Uh, let me know if that's something that interests you because this is crucial. The metadata, the description, and the keywords of your track is as important as the music itself. But here I just wanted to talk about the music. And I, and I do believe that the, the, the core progression plays a big role. I mean, that's where it all starts, really. So, so if you can get that right in the beginning, uh, you can sound completely different. And you want to sell. My job here is to sell your music. My job is to make you want to sell your music. Because enough is enough of this nagging and complaining that you're not selling. If you're not selling, there's something wrong with your music. And if you're uh, a beginner, you know that you can uh, start selling by just composing the right type of music. Commercial music. Thank you so much for all the love and support. Thank you for subscribing to this uh, uh, podcast. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done it yet. I'll see you in another episode, and as always, rock and roll, and here's to your success.